For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. Good morning and welcome to the program. Happy Friday to you. And uh, it's going to be a good one for you, and it's going to be a good program for you. We have joining us later on in the next hour, New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad, who joins us each Friday around 1030. Uh, joining her this week will be Ward 2 City Councilor Maria Giesta, and we have a lot to discuss with both of them. Uh, and, of course, you come into the day with a plan of the kind of things that you want to talk about on a day like today, and all kinds of news breaks between then and now. So, of course, we had the Jack Texera, Texera, you know, the South Coast and, and, and uh, the rest of the world pronounce things differently. We would, of course, we would say Texera here. They're saying it like the guy that played for the Yankees, <laughs> Mark Texera. Uh, but the, that story broke yesterday afternoon after I went off the air. But something that you may not have heard last night. So yesterday, Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro had a press conference to outline his first 100 days in office and to talk about some initiatives that are going on. So he was talking about, and, and the whole interview that he had last night with Marcus is worth a listen, but you can read a synopsis of it at WBSM.com and on the app where he talked about the results of the suicide expert coming in and studying the jail and making recommendations, which he said they're going to implement. He displayed the way that they are going to be changing the beds so that inmates can't hang themselves from them as easily. A fix that will cost $10 per bed. So rather than having to go out and buy all new beds or you know some new design or anything like that, they can just make a modification to the current beds for $10 a bed. And they can take care of it. The, the problem is they have over a thousand beds there, so that's going to take some money to do and some time, but it's going to get done. He also talked about some of the, you know, the new plan for being able to shut down the Ash Street Jail within two years without having to get any money from the legislature. And part of that, well, part of that means he's going to also use some of the free cash that's available to put toilets into the cells so that they can lock the individual cells and not have to keep them open all day because I guess there's a court ruling that says they can't close the doors of the cells if there's no toilet facility in the cell. So they're going to put toilets in the cells by using this money, which 
uh, the, you know, I saw Sheriff Rowe commenting on social media, people saying, well, if that's free cash, that should go back to the taxpayers. That's not where it comes from. It comes from the canteen collections. So this is money that comes from the inmates themselves that has to be put back into inmate services. That's that's what the, the law is about it. So he's going to take that money and he's going to utilize that to, to make it so that they can lock down the individual cells, which will allow them to, to be able to move folks over from Ash Street. So that's, he talked about that as well. He also talked about why he is getting rid of some programs, which we had heard earlier in the week. We had been uh, given the information that he was ending some of the community programs that his predecessor had offered, that Tom Hodgson had offered, including um, the Are You OK program where they call seniors to see, just to check in on them every day to make sure they're, they're okay. The comfort dog program where they bring these comfort dogs into schools. And he's actually going to keep the dogs but have them retrained to be drug sniffing dogs because as he said there's there's a problem in the jail with drugs and that's what they need to be utilized for and then he's also getting rid of the program i forget the exact name of it but it's where they bring students and you know young people into the jail to kind of it's kind of like a version of scared straight because he doesn't think that that's effective as people think that it is so the other programs he's going to look to the community to to pick up those pieces so the Are You Okay program, he'll work with Councils on Aging to find somebody that can take over those phone calls. And he's going to, again, he's going to take those dogs, which I couldn't believe it when he said it costs as much as $150,000 a year per dog to take care of those dogs. As he said, for the purpose of bringing to schools and put smiles on kids' faces, it's a great idea, but it's not what the the sheriff's office should be doing. It's not what they're tasked with. It doesn't help inmate um, care and rehabilitation. So he's looking to end those programs and be able to reassign the people that are working in those into other parts and moving around some of the staff to be able to fill some holes. So he outlined all of that with, with the media yesterday and more in depth with Marcus last night. He's actually coming back on South Coast tonight this evening because at the end of the discussion, Marcus just, you know, kind of asks him, hey, you know, anything else that you want to talk about before we let you go? Because he's he's trying to, you know, just put a wrap on things because they'd covered all the things they were going to cover. And Sheriff Harrow just briefly says something like, you know, I'd like I'd like to talk about the the videos that were released from the incident that happened at the ICE detention center. And <laughs> I'm I'm driving and I shouldn't text and drive, but I I uh, I immediately hit the button to send a voice text, and uh, I have it on my watch and and I holy expletive I sent to Marcus and at the same time he was responding similarly, uh, both on the air and to me in text because we've been waiting for these videos to to come out for a long time and we didn't we didn't know that they had been released, and so. Sheriff Harrow had seen them. There was 30 videos. He said most of them are about 17 minutes each. He had watched them all. And he described what he saw in the videos. Now, he did not call it a riot. He said that that's a, a not a good characterization of what happened. He gets in depth about some of the things that are seen on the video. But he did say that he feels that Sheriff Hodgson's recollection of what happened was pretty accurate. But that's some, you know, in, in terms of 
the way that they, the way that things escalated and the way that, um, that, that things played out, but that he did see what he felt felt was they had skipped over some of the steps of escalation or de-escalation until, and they kind of jumped right to the, the force aspect. So rather than try to summarize it for you, what I did is I, uh, I pulled the audio from last night's edition of South Coast Tonight. I edited it down to be just the comments about this particular case, and I'm going to run it for you. It's about 10 minutes, but I think it's important that you hear it. And, uh, and then again, tune in tonight on South Coast Tonight when Sheriff Rowe is going to get more in-depth about this with Marcus, and we're hoping we'll have access to those videos by then. We have reached out to the attorney, state attorney general's office to try to get those. Marcus sent an email to their PR person, to the to the press secretary for A.G. Campbell, like right away. You know, well, as he's hosting the show, he's typing bits and pieces between commercial breaks, but he got it out there, so hopefully we'll get a response on that today. But let me play for you what, uh, what Sheriff Paul Haro had to say about watching those videos from that May 1st, 2020 incident at the ICE Detention Center at the Bristol County House of Correction. That's one thing. If you want, I don't know if you saw the news on this, Marcus, but, you know, the um, the uh, State Attorney General's office has released all the videos for the ICE incident, the 2020 incident. Did you know that? I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I've actually watched all of the 30 videos. When did this happen? Uh, yesterday. I, I, oh, God. I, so... Yeah, so all, there was about 30 different videos. I'm, yeah, so that's why I'm, I'm bringing this to you because I think you'd probably be mad at me if I didn't tell you about <laughs> yeah, this. Right, yeah. So all, I, there were about 30 videos for the May 1st, 2020. I've watched all of them. The general counsel has watched all of them. I mean, you, if you want to have me back on another time, I'm happy to do that. But yeah. my initial impressions were it wasn't a riot and it was probably avoidable. You know, those are my first two initial impressions. So, you know, if you want to talk more about it, if you want to, you know, um, you know, dig up the videos. Any chance I could hold you on, uh, after the break and talk a little bit more about it? Or do you do you have time? No, no, I'm, that's fine. I'm just I got I got to hit a break. Let me hold you and then I'll, we'll talk more about that. OK, cool. All right. And we're back. We're joined by Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harrow. So um, continuing your tradition of breaking some big news on the show. Uh, so. You 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 saw the ice tapes we've been looking for for a while. You saw those ice tapes. You said there wasn't a riot and it was probably avoidable. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah. This is the May 1st, 2020 riot that eventually led to Sheriff Hodgson losing his ice contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I, I, saw, I personally saw on the videos, and it was about 30 of them, the behavior of the inmates, I'm sorry, detainees. Um, I shouldn't call them inmates because they're not inmates, they're detainees. Um, you know, I saw the videos, I saw their behaviors and it wasn't a riot. It was, um, disorderly at times. It certainly was. Um, but I wouldn't call it a riot. Um, there was, uh, there were two messes. The first mess was the way the detainees barricaded themselves into the ICE detention center so nobody could come in. They took tables, chairs washing machine dryers and they threw all that stuff up against some of the main entrances so the doors couldn't be open and then they were kind of just hanging out they were just i mean there was you know a couple other things that got broken you know but it wasn't like they, they were trashing the place it wasn't quite like that so they you know just kind of hanging out waiting and they you know they didn't want to the detainees didn't want to go from the ice center on one part of the campus to the main i'm sorry i'm not my daughter it's okay so uh, seems like she always barks on this when I'm on your program. So um, 
they didn't want to go to the main uh, building where they were going to get a COVID test. So, and that's the part that I say might have been avoidable. Why were we trying to have detainees, uh, you know, move from, you know, instead of bringing, you know, whether it was a 10, 20, or 130 detainees from one location down to Dartmouth, why don't you just bring like two or three nurses up to see them? Um, you know, the whole thing could have been avoided if that was the case. You know, so, um, so when I watched the videos, uh, you know, that there was there's two different operations going on. There's the first management operation to insist that the detainees be removed from the ICE building and brought to Dartmouth main building for COVID testing. That was one decision. And then, you know, there was, there was a lot of, you know, it's kind of at the 10,000 foot level. But then you had the other um, decision to send the COs, the correctional officers in, to regain control of the um, ICE detention center. And during that time with the, you know, I, I've seen the videos. Um, I watched, it was, like I said, it was probably close to 30 of them and some of them were 70. I took hours and hours watching these videos. Um, like there's a lot of like dead time on them. There's nothing going on. Um, which is what, which is what Healy said in the, in the report. So there was, there was a lot of dead time. Like they weren't doing much in that interim between the conflict and the, between the initial conflict and then the later, um, the later conflict, right? Yeah, well, the, the conflict, the, to be clear, the original conflict was the detainees basically protesting, not rioting. They protested, and then they barricaded themselves in. I wouldn't call that a riot. I mean, okay. I just when I, when I visualize a riot, I, I see a very different scenario in my head than what I watched on the video. So I don't think the inmates, I'm sorry, the detainees... They were rioting. I wouldn't define that as a riot at all. Um, so, so then, what about when they come in later? What do you think was there excessive force use? Because Hodgson says that stuff came out of thin air. Basically, that that uh, that Attorney General Healy or office was lying about that. Is it your opinion that there was excessive force? He said everybody was out in flex cuffs in ninety. You know, in, in you know, in flex cuffs, and, and basically the whole thing was done in ninety seconds. It, okay, for the most part, yes. That, for the most part, what Hodgson said, that's mostly true. Okay. That's not all there is to it, though. There were a handful of inmates. Uh, sorry, I keep saying that. My habit. A handful of detainees who were resisting um, being put in cuffs. Now, they were being given lawful orders, and, you know, they were, uh, so they're supposed to comply. And if they don't, um, the use of force is authorized. But it shouldn't necessarily be the first thing you do. Um, you know, there's, there's ways you can de-escalate a situation, talk people down from things, and I think it was that those de-escalation attempts were probably jumped right over uh, straight to force. And so there was there was one particular, this one really bothered me. There was one uh, gentleman who was, uh, you know, the, okay, let me set the stage. They were, you know, the, the detainees were coming out. Most of them were cooperative. They were, um, you know, kneeling down, faced up against a wall. And, you know, I would say the vast majority of them were cooperative like that. There was one person who um, was being ordered to uh, get down on his knees as well, like the other uh, detainees had. He's like, I got bad knees, I got bad knees. Instead of, so this this is where it became, um, you know, there was a lot of force. Now, was it excessive force? That probably has to be looked at a lot more closely and a lot more you know, reviewed a lot more than just my one pass through it. So I'm not going to say it was excessive force, but it was certainly still disturbing to me because this one person was screaming, you know, I don't want to get down my knees, my knees, and they were fighting with him and 
really trying to force him down. Instead of with, instead of trying to put him on the ground, have him sit on the ground on his knees like everybody else, they could have just backed him up and sat him down on his butt instead of his knees and then maybe rolled him over on his chest so he's laying down. You still could have gotten the compliance you needed without, you know, maybe hurting his knees. Now, does this person have a legitimate knee issue? I have no idea. But there was another way to do it. But one of the things that was really disturbing was the way that the, um, and I, I was not okay seeing this, and it won't happen under me, but the way the dogs, um, there, were, there, were, there were two different types of dogs. There was the dogs outside the fence and dogs inside the fence. So the dogs inside the fence all had a muzzle on, and they couldn't bite any of the detainees because they had a muzzle on. Dogs outside the fence didn't have a muzzle on. And those dogs, uh, there was this one particular person, you know, that had the knee issue, allegedly had the knee issue, you know, was being pressed, his face was being pressed up against the metal chain link fence. And a dog was probably... Oh, know, my God. Yeah, it was, that was pretty bad. That, that I was... That's awful. Yeah, it gets worse because then you had a dog, a German Shepherd, um, I think it was a German Shepherd, barking at the, uh, right in his face, about 12 inches away, serving absolutely no purpose. No purpose whatsoever, other than to try to, um, you know, like intimidate this detainee. Um, in my opinion, the dog shouldn't have been there at all, period. And that's not going to happen under me. And if anybody does object to that, then we're not going to have a dog program. That's how upset I am about that. And I know some people on the radio are listening to this, but that's how ticked off I am to see the dogs be used on detainees like that. That will never happen. Paul, can I can I hold you again? Because this is yeah. this is interesting stuff. So I'm going to hold you. I'm going to hold you again. We got to take another break. All right, we're here at Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro. Um, you said that you've seen the ice tapes from the May 1st, 2020 riot. You said it wasn't, uh, or the the whatever conflict um, that caused eventually that to Sheriff Hodgson losing his ice contract. You said it wasn't a riot, and the situation was probably avoidable. You also said that more or less what Sheriff Hodgson's accounting of is that people were in flex cuffs in 90 seconds in and out was true. But you said there were some incidents of uh, what you saw as excessive force. Somebody being held up against a chain link fence with um, with dogs, I think, is pretty horrifying. But I got to ask you this before I ask anything else. Um, where can people see the tapes? Can you send us the tapes if, if we can't access them publicly? Can you can you email them over to us so that we can we can see them? Yeah, I'll do that through Jonathan Darling, the public relations officer. But um, they were, it's like I said, about 30 videos. Some of them are 17 minutes long. Many of them are 17 minutes long. Some of them are a lot shorter. Okay. Um, but yeah, th this one particular episode with this one person who was screaming, my knees, my knees, I got bad knees and resisting to go down on his knees. Um, no, let's just assume that's true. Okay, if it's true, you know, we should have been mindful of his bad knees. If it's not true... You know, then we still have to come up with a different way to bring somebody down. Um, that is an excessive force. Uh, but when somebody's face is pressed up against, and th this guy was in cuffs. I mean, he had to cuff him. His face is being pressed up against the chain link fence. And you, on the other side of the fence, you've got a dog without a muzzle on barking 12 inches from the guy's face. Um, th there's no legitimate purpose to that. He's He's in cuffs. Okay, then there's a dog on the 12 inches away from his face, barking, you know, sharp teeth, barking in his face, and he's screaming in agony. There's no legitimate purpose to that, nothing whatsoever. Um, you know, so that was, I think, a clear case of, you know, excessive force. You know, just the, the, the whole thing just went sideways. I mean, I spoke with the superintendent about it afterwards, and he was there. He wasn't there at the beginning of it. You know, he was in meetings, but... Um, you know, later as the, as the uh, you know, incident uh, 
So so right there, the audio just got cut off by the um, by the podcast because they went they were right up against the break and the break kind of uh, right up against the news, and that kind of took them over. Uh, so it cut off a little bit abruptly there. But you can hear that all again in the podcast from last night's edition of South Coast Tonight. It's important to note that that is just Sheriff Perot's interpretation of what he was seeing in those videos, but that you know he's seen them while while we haven't. So he was offering his insight. Uh, in his analysis into what was in those videos, he will be joining South Coast Tonight again this evening to talk more about that, uh, to talk more in depth about what was on the videos. Hopefully we will get a chance to see them before then. But as you heard there, uh, as, as Sheriff Haro said, Sheriff Hodgson's recounting of what went on was mostly accurate, but that there are some incidents there that he said that he found to be disturbing. Um, that might not have been the exact word that he used, but he was he was concerned about the way that some of those situations was handled, including, as he said, having a barking dog a foot away from this person who was complaining that he you know he couldn't get down on his knees because he has bad knees, and he Sheriff Perot kept correcting himself and making sure he was using the word detainee and not inmate because these are not people who have been convicted of something. These were not people who had, they were being detained by ICE. Well, by the Bristol County Sheriff's Office on behalf of ICE. These were not people who were inmates of a jail. And so I, I think that once the public sees the videos, they'll, they'll be able to make up their minds for themselves. But I just wanted to play that again for you because it gives you some insight into what was seen there by a, by a third person, a third party that didn't have a vested interest in what went on in that particular incident. Because as we know, when it happened, Sheriff Hodgson said that it was, you know, the, the recounting of, of what went down and the way that they were handling it. He called it a political hit job. He said that then Attorney General Mara Healy and um, and um, Secretary Mayorkas were both targeting him because of his outspokenness about undocumented immigrants and about his alignment with President Trump and the White House. So this is a, a, a third party who, you know, for as much as they had some animosity during the election... It seems like Sheriff Harrow and Sheriff Hodgson had a pretty good relationship with each other after the election was over and through the transition. They both have had very kind things to say about each other. Uh, they, they had what appeared to have been a smooth transition. And also, Sheriff Harrow has no reason to defend Sheriff Hodgson. So if he's saying, listen, I think his account was mostly true, I think he's saying that with, you know, with, with, with integrity. He's not saying it. He, he, he doesn't have, there's nothing for him to gain by pushing Sheriff Hodgson under the bus for it. Interested to hear your take. I know it's hard to have a take without having seen the videos for yourself, and we, we will be working on that. But I think that to at least get some insight from someone who has seen them that wasn't you know, part of the agenda of it all is uh, is an important take. That's why I wanted to replay that for you. And again, if you want to hear it again, again in its entirety, you can check out the South Coast Tonight podcast from last night. 
Uh, Sheriff Perot was on in the 8 o'clock hour. This stuff came toward the end of the 8 o'clock hour, probably like around the... F- I don't know how long the, the video, the, the uh, audio was, but uh, toward the, the last third of the podcast file. The whole interview was worth listening to, but this that's when this stuff came up. And then they were going to hold it over for the next hour, but they decided instead to uh, schedule it for this evening. So that'll be happening tonight on South Coast Tonight. So you're going to want to definitely tune in and hear that. 508-996-0500, or you can hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. You can also use the open line feature on the WBSM app and leave us a voicemail. But right now, I have to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. Welcome back in 508-996-0500 if you want to call in or app chat on the WBSM app if you want to text in or leave us a voicemail using the open line feature on the WBSM app and we'll play it on the program. So uh, again, I just played the audio from last night's South Coast Tonight of Sheriff Paul Harrow's take on watching those videos from the May 1st, 2020 incident at the ICE Detention Center at the Bristol County House of Correction. Uh, that is uh, something they'll be discussing more in depth this evening. You can certainly check that out for yourself if you want to hear the podcast again, and I'll have it in my podcast as well. Uh, but um, you can also be sure that we are doing everything that we can to get those videos for you to be able to see them yourself. Let's go to the phones again, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Hey, good morning, Tim. How are you? Yeah, I'm sad to hear that um, the sheriff's ending, uh, at least I don't know what they call it now. I know back in the day when I used to take kids there, it was called the SLAM program. Um, You know, you kind of refer to it as the scared straight, but I I didn't see that that way. It wasn't really, you know, they they took individuals in to kind of speak to uh, inmates who were, and, and the good part of it is like you have to understand that most of the kids that I was bringing in and these inmates, these are people from, like, their neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. They're like the OGs, the people that they looked up to, so on and so forth. So when you had these people kind of, you know, talking to the kids one-on-one and being like, you know, hey, it's not worth it, man. You know, I did this, so on and so forth, and it was stupid. Look at me now. Like, I'm in a cage, this, that. These kids would really respond and really think about things. So I'm sad that that at least that program, um, you know, is is going to go as well as the one with the elderly. Uh, you know, I supposedly they're going to get people to uh, make those calls, but you know how that is. Like they'll make the calls for the first year, and then they'll go by. Like you know. Well, I I, know, but- I believe that Sheriff Haro uh, said that it's about 135 people that they call. So that that should easily be able to be farmed out to the local councils on aging for those, because you know you got to think that's county wide. So if you if you're dividing that up amongst all the towns in the county, you know just guesstimate that it's maybe you know more than twenty twenty five calls that a, an individual organization might have to make on on a daily basis. Yeah, I know, and I understand that. But when you have somebody that that's specifically their role and they're you know directed, you know it's getting done. And usually, you know how it is with programs like that, especially with the elderly. It's sad to uh, that those types of programs are going to go by the wayside. But 
I also want this. But, but hold on, hold on. The other side of that, though, is that it's not the purview of the sheriff's office to do those things. That's what Sheriff Perot is is uh, is maintaining, and he said that not putting personnel on those programs will allow him to use them for what they're supposed to be there for. Yeah, but it's also not uh, the public's purview to you know smile and wave when you're walking down the street rather than put your head down and just walk by people. But it's the nice thing to do, you know. You're, yeah, but nice things don't cost taxpayer dollars to do. Yeah, if, if they obviously they have the time to do it, right? If they're doing it, they have the time to do it. So what are what are they else are they? Gonna I, I do? think are the way that I think I think the way that Sheriff Harrow was uh, was was uh, characterizing is that they don't have the time to do it. That they're using manpower on these programs that could be used elsewhere because they they don't have all the positions filled that they need in other parts of the operation. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I just you know taking away programs. I don't. I never see a benefit to taking things away. So I don't know. That is what it is. But um, in terms of the, you know, of the videos, um, you know, aren't we supposed to be looking forward? I understand if he wants to take the videos, watch them or whatever and training purposes. But, you know, to rehash all this and kind of like, you know, what are we what? What is the per like? What are we gonna? What are the positives other than you know doing it in house and for training and all that? What's the purpose of rehashing this? We're beyond that. Because, We're looking because the public deserves to know if there was excessive force used in the situation. But wasn't a report done? Didn't it come out? So and, and the report. The, every, every, everything that he said was hearsay. Like he was saying. So was everything oh, that Sheriff Hodgson said until you see the actual video for yourself. Okay, so let's let's use his own words, right? He said that he watched hours and hours of video and that as soon as the um, detainees didn't uh, cooperate, that uh, force was authorized, right? Did he not say that? Right, but he also... But he said he... it was his opinion that they should have de-escalated. Well, it's good to give opinion and play Monday morning quarterback when you're not in the situation. Let's see him go in a pod with two uh, with two correction officers and be outnumbered three to one and make the decision to, hey, let's de-escalate this situation. Well, you're talking about like, you know, it's one thing to talk about something. It's another thing to be in that situation. And unless you're in that situation, you can't talk because you don't know like... What so he's going to put your staff and their lives in jeopardy because you know we should de-escalate. Let's talk about it. When has that worked out? Well, that's that's the proper procedure that they're required to follow. Actually, absolutely not. It came out of his words. Once uh, it came out of his mouth. Once the detainees refused to you, do this, listen, listen. You can talk. Can you can talk circles all around it all you want. The bottom line is the people deserve to see those videos, and we deserve to see them, and we deserve to see what happened. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I'm all about that. But what I'm saying is, you know, playing Monday morning quarterback. It's good to see, like it's easy to say shoulda coulda. But guess what? It didn't happen. Can we learn from it? Yes. But don't say I would have did this. No, you wouldn't have because you weren't in that situation. Well, and you don't know that he wouldn't have either. So you don't, you weren't you weren't in the situation. So you don't know how he would have acted. You weren't in there with no, him. I've, I've been in that situation, and that's why I'm speaking on it. Like it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing when you're outnumbered more than three to one by a bunch of ICE yeah. detainees that you know were just meandering around until they decided to escalate this. Uh, and to say they weren't 
cooperating. He said out of his mouth, once they did not cooperate, hands-on was authorized. You can do it. It came out of his own mouth. Yeah, and again, it depends on how far they went with it. As he said, there were certain steps that should have been put into place that were skipped. That's what I want to see. No, 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 no. Rewind the tape. No, I listened to the tape twice. I listened to the tape twice. Why don't you go you, back and listen to it and come hey, back and just, tell me what you heard him say? I just heard it. He said that. All right, I've, got, I've got other callers. I'm, I'm, not, I'm then, not getting into a back and forth with you over I'm what not, was said. Listen, he said they were authorized to go hands-on once they did not follow directions. He also said that there were steps that should have been taken that were skipped. But he said that one okay, all right. incident... We're, gonna, we're just going to disagree on it. I have to move on. I have to move on. Thank you for the call. Have a good day. I, I, I love that caller. We, we have great conversations all the time. We weren't getting anywhere there, and there's other people that, that want some time. He, he was on for, for quite a bit. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hello. Hi, Tim. Good morning. How are you? Morning. Anyway, um, lovely day. Anyway, I agree with everything that he's doing, um, and I understand why he he wants to, you know, expound, expound upon the excessive force because that's where the lawsuits come in too. Yeah, well, I, I don't. Say, yeah, I don't think he was necessarily expounding on it. Marcus directly asked him and said, "Was was there excessive force used?" Right, but he has to watch for that because we've had some a lot of lawsuits. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's trying to trying to avoid. And I, I want to know what the current sheriff thinks is excessive force because he will be, you know, in case he is in that situation. Right. I like his new setup, what he's doing. I'm all for it. Um, the only thing is with the toilets, they can still try to put their head in there and do, you know, things like that with the water. I don't know about the toilets inside the. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how. I've never been in jail, so I don't know. But I don't know that they have you know water in them all the time. I think that that was something that was, I heard discussed at some point about it. That it, yeah, it, but it's no. They can suffocate themselves. I don't know. I don't know about the. Um, I don't know about the toilets. I think that should be investigated a little bit more. Well, they could just put their head in there and leave it there. They um they have uh you know they have that report from the from the suicide expert so he made a number of recommendations for different things so I'm sure if they're planning on putting toilets in there that that's part of the part of the recommend you know I'm sure that the um, uh, expert considered that in his report. Okay, I'm just saying because when you're des- that desperate, you know what I mean, and you just if you don't want. Well, to I mean, live, I you know, know, as we found out, if you're desperate enough, they'll 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 find a way, but. You want to make sure that you're keeping an eye on them at least enough to make sure that they don't have that opportunity. And it sounds like that uh, Sheriff Rowe is committed to that. I agree with all the other things, though. I like it, what he's doing. I'd love to hear this tonight, but I'm going to go to the Z. Well, do you do you, do you have a computer? No, I'm a, I'm old fashioned. I just have I just. <laughs> do you have a sm- Do you have a smartphone? So you have a smartphone? I call and text. I don't have internet. I'm not into all that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I love the. You're so smart with all that. You're you're amazing. Listen, I'm I'm sure it'll I'm sure it'll be played back. Uh, at least clips of it will be played back uh, for for days after. So you'll definitely be able to hear parts of it. What are you going to the Z to see tonight? Clay Aiken from Idol and Ruben Stutter. Oh, sounds like a good one. Yeah, I'm gonna go with my girlfriend. We're gonna go out for something to eat first. Well, I hope that you have a wonderful evening. Okay, and you have a nice weekend. You too. Get some rest. Thank you. Take care. And if Bye. you if you want to call in and chime in, 508-996-0500. Going to take a break. Going to be back in just a few moments. 
of course, Glenn Fry, You Belong to the City, written specifically for the television series Miami Vice, which, you know, I remember as a kid, I remember watching it and here and there. I didn't watch it religiously, but seeing it here and there and thinking it was a really cool show. But then as I was messing around on um, the Pluto app the other day, because I watched a movie on Pluto, or no, maybe it was Tubi, one of those free apps, I ended up finding that they have Miami Vice. And they have the entire series with all the original music in it. So I started watching the first couple of episodes and I realized, like, this is this is more than just a cheesy 80s cop show. This is a really good show. Like, there's some dark storylines going on. I mean, every episode seemed like it could have been, you know, an 80s action movie. So I'm glad that I dove back into it. Maybe maybe I'll watch them all. But certainly, um, certainly well worth the watch. Uh, that's uh, all these shows are available now. I wish I wish I could just stay home and catch up on things that I missed, but now I've got to actually get up and work and be a productive member of society and uh, and earn a living. Speaking of earning a living, we're going to pay some more bills. I got to take my final break of the hour. All right, that is going to do it for this hour. We're going to take a break for the news. When we come back on the other side, we'll be joined. Uh, well, we'll have a little time to talk you and I, uh, but then we'll be joined at around ten. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.